Grace and peace to you. I am the Reverend Shane Montoya of the Miami Shores Community Church, and I am glad to welcome you here on our first worship podcast. It's fitting that it is for this Advent one worship. Advent is, of course, the beginning of the Christian liturgical year, and so this marks a wonderful new beginning for us. Without further ado, let us worship. Let us pray. God of all hope and joy, open our hearts and welcome that your Son, Jesus Christ, at his coming, may find in us a dwelling prepared for him, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So we will begin with our opening hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I will invite our Advent candle lighters to come forward during this song. Give them victory on the grave. 
Today is the beginning of Advent, the time of preparation for the birth of Christ. We are here because God's promise for a Savior has been fulfilled through Jesus, and we await and prepare for the promised fulfillment of all things when Christ comes to us again in glory. Hear these words from the prophet Isaiah. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. We light this candle to proclaim the coming of the light of God into the world. With the arrival of this light, there is hope. Because of Christ, we have hope. For the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Our first scripture today is from the prophet Isaiah. This is near the end of the book of Isaiah. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about this more in the sermon, but probably the last of three different authors who wrote under the name of Isaiah. Uh, it is a, a message which uh, I think South Floridians are actually very prepared to hear, uh, for we know the devastation that can come after natural disasters. Uh, those of us who have survived some of the great hurricanes of the past might know the despair that we might feel uh, after coming back to a ruined house or a flooded kitchen. Uh, and Israel is in that sort of disrepair destruction uh, when this comes down. So it's no surprise that they call for cosmic action from God. Hear this reading from the prophet Isaiah. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. As when fires kindle, fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right and those who remember you in your ways. But you were angry and we sinned because you hid yourself when we, while we tra uh, transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us, and you have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O oh Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O oh Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. Our reading from the second reading is from the Gospel of Mark, and Jesus is in a similarly, and the people are in a similarly tense situation. 
uh, although the outright destruction has not happened yet when Jesus is saying these words. By the time they are written down a generation later, similar destruction has wrought on the land of Israel. The second temple has just been destroyed when the Gospel of Mark has been written. But in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as the branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be aware and keep alert. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. Has anyone ever watched any of those uh, those shows, usually star- starring Gordon Ramsay, uh, who swoops in and saves a struggling restaurant or a hotel? You know what I'm talking about. Um, there's a few of them. Kitchen Nightmares is one, or maybe Hotel Hell. Uh, there's another guy who I just saw, I watched some of the shows last night, who does one with bars. Um, It's all the same plot line in each of them. They're procedurals, basically. When we start the show, the establishment is at the end of their rope. Nothing seems to be working. Staff morale is low. The customer experience is just awful. Management is stubborn and pig-headed, and the food just stinks. So they call on the one person who may be able to help. Gordon Ramsay, who observes the human drama at the heart of the problem, for it is almost always a human drama at the heart of the problem. And he attempts to write relationships, make new processes, make write new menus, and sometimes he even swoops in with a team of contractors doing tens of thousands of dollars of remodeling work. And at the end of the show, there are tearful revelations, and there is happiness, and often there is some light, upbeat guitar music to know you're supposed to feel happy. And then they do a montage of how things are going a few months later. There's so much hope at the end of these episodes, and we eat it up. We love seeing that hope. Maybe now in these tough times, we especially love seeing that hope, especially when we can't see it in ourselves or in our own lives. However, unfortunately, the truth is that things don't often end up going well for the folks who appear on that show. 
according to realitytvrevisited.com, of the 77 restaurants featured on Kitchen Nightmares, two have changed locations, 15 are still open, and 60 have closed. I'm no mathematician, but that's almost three quarters of the restaurants featured on the show that have closed. 25% is a failing grade in most things other than baseball. And this makes the hope that these restaurant owners, and if you hear the stories of these restaurant owners, many of them are carrying on a family legacy or they are in the middle of working themselves out of a marriage or a relationship with their children. It makes those stories all the more tra tragic. For of the three great things that Paul says in the letter to the Corinthians that remain after all else is stripped away, faith, hope, and love, at first glance, hope seems like the weakest. Faith is characterized by the stone, strong and steadfast, our solid foundations of faith towards God and God's even stronger faithfulness towards us. And as for love, love is patient, love is kind, love endures. God is love. But hope? When we talk about hope, we tend to talk about hopes and dreams being crushed, trampled underfoot. Rarely do we talk about hopes being fulfilled. Perhaps this is because of our innate pessimism. But perhaps it's because of the nature of hope itself. Because it seems like we only call upon hope when things are at their worst when things are at their most bleak, when the future is at its most misty and obscured. But hope has its own strength. It's not big, brash, and bold, but it's a tiny thing. It's like the bird who survives a storm. Perhaps Emily Dickinson put it best. Hope is a thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea, yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me. Our readings today exemplify this poem. Our first reading is from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is one of my favorite books of the Bible. We should note here, as I mentioned before, that scholars tell us that it is a collection of writings from three different authors who wrote, as we might say, in the tradition of Isaiah. 
this seems a little confusing, the best parallel would be, well, have any of you read Nancy Drew books when you were a kid? I'll give you, uh, and I hope I didn't ruin your childhood, Carolyn Keene is not a real person. Yeah, I know. Carolyn Keene is a collection of authors who have all agreed to write under this and take up these stories. The Isaiah is the same thing. Our reading today comes from the third author to write with the Isaiah name. And as I mentioned before, when he is writing, Jerusalem is a wreck. The verses immediately after this passage call Jerusalem a desolation, the land of Zion a wilderness, and the temple where our ancestors praised you burnt by fire. I can only imagine the despair that our author must have felt. But as I said before, maybe we South Floridians can't imagine it. Who was around for Hurricane Andrew? Some of us. Me, I was only six years old when it hit, but I remember hiding in the bathroom in our North Miami home, and being there, we escaped the worst of it. But I do remember the scenes of devastation from Homestead and places further south. Or maybe we all remember the death and destruction that was wrought by Hurricane Katrina against the city of New Orleans in 2005. And we might also remember the despair that we felt when we, we wanted to help and we couldn't. Imagine what it must have been like for those affected to come home for that first time, to see the remains of their homes, their lives and memories and consider not just the damage and destruction that have been wrought, but the psychological and spiritual costs to even think about rebuilding. I can only imagine in that in thinking about rebuilding after the total catastrophe of such a storm, perhaps my only hope would be like Isaiah to have God tear asunder the heavens and to come down to make things right. These were folks who had recently been refugees with no resources, no power, and so they must have felt as though their only recourse was their God, and in whose hands they must have felt like clay being shaped by a potter. And so all they could do was trust that the potter was good. These words must have been ringing in the ears of those not only who heard Jesus' words over 500 years later in our second reading, but perhaps even more so in the heart of our gospel writer who wrote them down a generation later. For although Jerusalem and Judea were troubled places in the time of Jesus, a generation later things would get far worse as the Gospels were being written down. To understand why there was such tension and turmoil, we need to understand that Judea did not have independent political leadership. 
They were under Roman occupation and ruled by native puppet kings. King Herod, if you've heard of him, was probably the most infamous of these kings. And it is a sign that having a native ruler did not mean that there would be peace. Primary in these tensions were were the, the fact that the Jewish religion was and is monotheistic. And the religion of the Roman Empire was polytheistic, many gods. But I don't want us to think that this is just some sort of uh, interfaith theological and intellectual debate. For as much as things change, they also stay the same. And religion was a thoroughly public and political matter. In the Roman Empire, they didn't actually care all that much, the state didn't care all that much, which gods or goddesses you worshipped, as long as you also worshipped the Roman Emperor. You could be a follower of Isis and coexist with a follower of Juno, as long as everybody honored that Julius Caesar was a god, at least in death. The deity of the emperor was a major factor in the cohesiveness and the legitimacy of a massive multi-ethnic and multinational empire. For having a god as the emperor, or the emperor as a god, meant that the gods sanctioned the government's rule. It was an element of unity across the diversity of ethnicity and tribe. But it also meant that denying the godhood of the emperor was not just a theological disagreement, but one that denied the rightness of the empire to rule. And we know that when one cannot govern by right, one can only be governed by might. And those who rule only through might will eventually be challenged by those who believe they are right. If that story seems familiar to us, that's because that's the story of the American Revolution. And just like Boston in the colonial era, Jerusalem in the province of Judea of Jesus' time was one of great thinkers and teachers, intellectual and social ferment, and firebrands and rebels. About 40 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, the match was lit and the powder keg erupted. The great Jewish revolt ended in the year 70 with the Roman destruction of the second temple and a second scattering of the Jewish people. If you've ever seen the pictures of the Wailing Wall or the Western Wall, those are the last remnants of that second temple. So can we really be surprised that up against the might of the Roman Empire, its massive armies and bureaucracies, that the only thing that they could imagine could stand against them was the Son of Man and glory surrounded by an angelic host? Should we be surprised that things seemed so rotten that the stars in the sky would show their displeasure, that the whole cosmic order would need to be replaced. 
but I'll also tell you that not much has really changed. Has anyone seen those bumper stickers that said Team Giant Meteor 2020? It's the same exact sentiment as our scripture readings today. We, that, the, the sentiment is that we are so full of despair over the rottenness of the system that it would take an event of cosmic magnitude to make things right. The heavens themselves must be rent asunder to correct the evil in the world. And if these are the only times in which we really notice hope, no wonder hope feels so fragile. No wonder that only 25% of the shows featured on Kitchen Nightmares survive. How badly must a restaurant be doing in order to feel that the humiliation of television would be the only way forward? Because here's the other statistic that I found, that researchers found that after 10 years, between 70 and 90% of all restaurants fail. After 10 years, between 70 and 90% of all restaurants fail. That includes the well-managed ones, too. So maybe Gordon Ramsay isn't doing that bad of a job at turning things around for a restaurant. Luckily for us, we have an even better savior than Gordon Ramsay. For our savior won't air out our grievances on national television and tell us that we are failures. Our Savior won't rearrange our menus and fire staff and make elderly relatives stop micromanaging the kitchen. And even better, at least for most of us, our Savior won't need to toss down a giant meteor or, toss or tear open the space between earth and heaven to make things right and fulfill our hopes. Let us remember that the hard work in our religion was accomplished some 2,000 years ago. First, when God crossed that veil between humanity and divinity in the form of the infant Jesus, and then abolished the boundary between God and man and completed that work in Jesus' death and resurrection. So let us end in prayer. Let us pray. Come, Lord Jesus, not just in glory with a host of angels, but into our hearts. Be our hope not just in the most dire of times, in the Hurricane Andrew and the destruction of the temple times, but through the little ups and downs of the roller coasters of life. Be our strength when we have none. Be our liberator when the bonds of life seem to weigh us down. And let us live ever more abundantly in your arms and the grace of God, full of the hope that only God can give. Amen. Jesus.
near to make the force of evil fade, your goodness to appear as righteousness, a rolling stream to quench a thirsty land, the waiting season spent at last, your kingdom close at hand. To God we pray, your kingdom come, come as a marriage feast. 
in which the first and honored guests shall be the last and least. Come lift the poorest of the poor up to your finest ranks, the hungry fed, the naked clothed, the downcast filled with thanks. To God we pray your kingdom come, come with your gift of growth. You scatter seed upon the ground, mix leaven in the loaf. What's sown is secret in secret, soon revealed to claim your harvest's goal, till we attain your lasting aim, the leavening of the whole. To God we pray, your kingdom come, come grant your unity. You seek and tend the wayward ones to form community, so that the lost may enter in your good and holy place, and find the joy is centered in a heavenly embrace. To God we pray, your kingdom come, come claim creation wide. Then shall the power of evil break, and sin no more divide. Your love shall launch a lasting rain, as earth's old ills are healed. By mercy, justice, peace anew, and perfect joy. Amen. And now let us rise and pray or sing our final hymn, Come, O Long-Expected Jesus.
And may the God of hope and the hope of God be with you always. And that's a wrap on our first podcast here uh, at the Miami Shores Community Church. As always, like, uh, review, and subscribe. And we'll see you next week. God bless.